Welcome. Welcome to another episode of the PodQuest. PodQuest. Broadcasting from all around Vol Nation. Where we talk about Vols football, basketballs, recruiting, and exclusive interviews with those closest to the program. Now, you're about to experience the PodQuest. Good evening, everybody, Tennessee Vol fans. This is Georgia Tech Vol. It is December 30th. We have almost finished up 2018 i wish everyone a merry christmas happy hanukkah happy holidays all of them all the holidays around you know december time frame i hope you had a great time we had a great christmas here in atlanta georgia and our christmas present from the podcast to you was that kick-ass introduction that kick-ass intro what did you guys think about that let us know send us messages how great it was we thought it was really cool energetic so 2019, we've got some really amazing stuff to continue to add to this podcast to make it really fun for everybody entertaining. I have an all-star crew tonight. Um, I, I'm just blown away by the folks we have. We're going to have so much fun tonight. I got PTC Vol with me, Powell Vols. Power T is making an illustrious return. Uh, the old man Bleed Orange 23, my dad, and then Priest Vol, who's slowly but surely becoming uh, one of the favorites on the podcast here. So, gentlemen... Let's go around the horn really quickly. Say hello to the group or to, to VolQuest, to all all of all nation, and tell me your favorite Christmas present. I'll start with you, PTC. Evening, guys. I had a couple absences here. I take care of some things at the house, but glad to be back with y'all. Glad to be here with my friends. Probably my favorite gift so far um, is one that I gave to actually gave to my daughter. Gave her a 22 pistol for Christmas. Uh, I'm going to hit the range this weekend and get uh, just put a little bit of steel down range and have some fun. But as far as gift that I got was a uh, full terry cloth robe from Polo Ralph Lauren. Thing is insanely comfortable. <laughs> no, that's cool, man. My wife's been trying to get me a robe, and I just like walking around the house naked. So um, maybe next time. Oh. Uh, yeah, I know. Sorry. Uh, Bleed Orange, what's up, my friend? Uh, and I do want to give a shout out to Bleed Orange because he called me today. He was in in tears almost. He could not figure out how to install his Philips Hue lights. Um, he couldn't get the little blinking lights to work on uh, the home base. And if you guys aren't familiar with Philips, uh, Philips Hue lights, uh, they're the lights you can control via you know an app and they're all connected over wireless and you can talk with Alexa and have them turn on and off. So I'm glad we took a really big step in your advancement towards uh, 2019 uh, Bleed Orange. Thanks for being on. What was your favorite gift? Well, I don't know. I'm still trying to recover from the idea that I was in tears over the hue. <laughs> anyway, good to be here. Uh, Merry post-Christmas and Happy New Year to everybody. I would say that actually one of the more inventive uh, gifts that uh, I got for Christmas is that uh, Georgia Tech Vol is going to he said something about going to the SEC basketball championships, and I don't know what that – he said, guys, maybe you can help me. I said something about a couple of shots and a roofie for me, and then I was going to end up in Nashville, and everybody on the pod quest was going to be chipping in to pay for this trip for Dad to go to Nashville, and I just think you guys are awesome. A lot of silence there. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Bleed Orange, you're going you're gonna to crash at my house, friend. 
<laughs> I passed the plate around and I didn't get, I got a, a couple of thumbtacks and a penny. So, uh, looks like I'll be, uh, put in the bill, but yes, we are. That is one thing, uh, that we're actually working on. Um, and we're going to work on a big extravaganza for, um, all the Tennessee fans that listen to this and people on, uh, the general's quarters We're working on something for during the uh, sec tournament for all the fans to get together, fans of Tennessee, fans of all quests and then fans of the pod quest. So, uh, stay tuned for that. But yes, we are going to all be together, or hopefully most of us together um, for the SEC tournament. So it's going to be really fun. We're going to have a good time doing that. So happy birthday again, Bleed Orange. Uh, 64, 63, 64, right? You got it, buddy. Nice. Making his return, the Power T. How are you, my friend? I know you probably haven't had any sleep, so thanks for joining us so dang late. Welcome. What was your favorite gift? My, uh, it's good to be back. It's good to you know, good to hang out with you guys again. I'm sorry I've missed the last uh, few iterations, um, but uh, as you, as many of you may know who listen to the podcast, and if you listen to these guys, um, I was blessed with the the greatest gift from God and my wife with a healthy baby girl. Um, Amen. Days Yay. before. Um, so we've been uh, welcoming her to the world, getting her acclimated. Um, and I have been not getting very much sleep, um, but uh, <laughs> jumping into fatherhood, you know, face first and everything's great about it. Don't don't miss a thing and, and love every minute of it. And in terms of material gifts, uh, my wife, uh, a gift that I haven't been able to use very much, but um, I, uh, I'm a huge gamer uh, when I've got some free time and a little escape and got a PlayStation VR. Uh, so I've been doing my Ready Player One um for like two minutes a day in between changing diapers and, and, and feeding my daughter bottles. But uh, it's great to be back. I got a great podcast uh, podcast planned for everybody, and we're going to have a good time. Very cool, man. Yeah, thanks for being on, and congratulations again. We're so happy for you. And, amen. Uh, yeah, amen. Gosh, you got about another six months until you hit reality again, so good luck with – I just went through all that. <laughs> so uh, we're so happy for you, though, and, and thanks for spending some time with us. Uh, Powell Vols, what's up, my friend? How are you, brother? I'm doing good. Um, good I hope man. everybody hope everybody had a merry Christmas and uh, has a you know safe uh, New Year's. Yeah, no, yeah, same. We we definitely hear it at the PodQuest. If you are going to be out there, you know, drinking and partying, you know, Crossfall, we know you're out there doing your thing, right? <laughs> Let's uh, everybody yeah. Uber wherever you no. need to go, right? So coming from a former law enforcement officer, please y'all designate a driver that is not going to be drinking ahead of time. We do not want to hear about anything bad happening to y'all. Yeah. And uh, you know, unless it's in one of the cities with live PD, um, because uh, (laughs) we'd love to see some of our own vault clusters on live PD. That would be uh, me myself. I was driving through Greenville, South Carolina, and I kind of put my foot on the gas a little bit harder (laughs) if I could get caught. Looking for my live PD moment, but uh, yeah, everyone be safe out there on, on New Year's. Priest Vol, man, Priest Vol. I added man to the end of that, but Priest Vol, thanks for being on, my friend. This has got to be a record now, like a Guinness Book of World Records for most, uh, you know, consecutive uh, podcasts in a row. So thanks for being on, man. Yeah, I just love you guys. So you're gonna have to, you know, get used to it as long as everybody keeps. Time. 
Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> See, that's why I keep coming back. I just miss you guys during the week. Uh, no, excited to be back. Yeah, hope everyone had a good holiday season and um, have a safe and enjoy the New Year's responsibly. And I do know, I, I do, I'm trying to do a lot better job with the audio, you know, aspect of this podcast. It's, you know, we're, none of us are necessarily professionals here, so, but we're getting pretty dang close. I did miss your introduction. I wanted to kind of keep you towards the end as we were going to go into the confession corner. So do you want, I, want, I do want to play your intro music at least. You have your own intro song. So I'm going to hit, you, hit it. you with this. And then what we'll do is, uh, again, guys, we've got some really great stuff we're going to talk about today just going to have to listen. I will timestamp everything. I, I did the poll and I got like 50 responses saying I need to timestamp everything. So I'll make sure to do that. But we're going to hit up the, the confession corner right now with, with Priestfall. All right, man. Priestfall, uh, the, uh, the floor is yours. And I think you got some special stuff you want to talk about tonight. Yeah, definitely. Um, I love that intro. Um, so, you know, Tennessee usually have wrapped my confession corners around Tennessee and kind of their games that they played. So since, you know, we're not in a bowl game and uh, there's four, there was four other teams that played yesterday. I kind of wanted to go through some of the uh, some of my confessions from the, the college football playoff games and also have a Hail Mary for a for a coach that uh, I'm not a huge fan of just from a coaching perspective and or person perspective the way he acted after he got waxed um by an sec team so we'll we'll start with that so my hail mary i'm gonna just gonna fire it off is for mr jim harbaugh dude um i'm giving you seven because that's how many that's how many years that michigan ridiculously is going to pay you for to be their head coach um after you know after the showing against ohio state and then the way you went out against florida you, you could have at least shake, shook Dan Mullen's hand. That was low class. Um, you, I mean, you got beat. Just take your beating. Um, also, I, I learned at a very young age never to trust the first guy that takes their shirt off in a pickup game. And that man takes his shirt off way too often around high school football players, especially <laughs> because he wears pleated khakis. Nothing against guys that wear pleated khakis, but he wears right. them with cleats, and I just can't do that. Um, well, speaking of real quickly – and I think you said the number seven. Doesn't he make seven million a year too? So you got a seven years. Yeah, I, I might be wrong. Yeah, he's got. Yeah, I think he's like seven point two million a year. Do you see him joining the heart? <clears throat> Excuse me. Do you see him joining the uh, the heart attack club with uh, Rick and and uh, Meyer and retiring <laughs> soon, or is he going to keep writing that thing out? So as I was doing some research on him, because I didn't know that much about his contract, apparently the Jets want to hire him, and the Jets just fired. Um, their head coach as of like five minutes ago as we're recording this. So maybe he jumped ship to the NFL. And if that's the case, it'd probably be the smartest move for him and Michigan um, because he's not going to win there. Um, my last two things for him Bucks is he's not going to. Yeah. And the Bucks job. So, I mean, he's, I, I don't know what his deal is, but it's, uh, I, I, he just doesn't do it for me. Um, but he's not going to adapt his game. Like if you watched, I watched most of that game because, um, it was the only game on, and South Carolina was getting waxed by Virginia. Um, but he, he's not going to adapt, and he's not going to do enough to get up to speed with what the college game goes with now. Plus, he's one in nine versus top ten teams, and you just don't get paid the amount of money that he's getting paid to have a record like that, um, especially at Michigan. So 
Jim Harbaugh, you're my Hail Mary this week, my man. So enjoy your seven, and hopefully you go to the Jets and get out of college football because you're an embarrassment. Um, so those are the Hail Marys for me. Um, and then – and I'll open this up for, for the rest of our discussion too. And we'll – I started – I went game by game. Um, so we'll, I started with the first game. Uh, it's Clemson-Notre Dame and just the embarrassment that Notre Dame is um, for being the number four team everyone knew that they were not the number, the fourth best team in the nation, but the playoff committee put them in because they were undefeated and their name apparently carries some type of weight still for some reason. Um, Correction priest. Correction. They were the number three team. That's right. They were the third best team in the nation. Apparently Mm. that even that's that hurts even worse now. Um, But I mean, I honestly, if you put, them against UCF right now, I would take UCF to beat them in a straight up game. And UCF annoys me because they claim national championships because they go undefeated, but it is what it is. Um, there, Brian Kelly, man, you're zero and six in BCS and new year's day, six games. He's, he's lost by an average of 24 points per game in those bowl games. He's been outscored 232 to 88 in those games. Like, how can you keep putting that team in a four-team playoff in his best, no matter where in his they best are? Girlfriend is still wow. See, this is 995 right here, man. This is good stuff. And shame on, the, shame on Condoleezza Rice for putting freaking Notre Dame back in the playoff. Come on now, Condi. Why are you blaming Condi, though? I love her. She's my girl, but it's like, goodness gracious. Why do you got to blame Condi? That's my girl, man. Why <laughs> There's like 30 people on that committee. (laughs) That's honestly, I swear in my life, that's literally the only one that I know that's on the committee. So I, you know, that's a testament to Condi. That's a testament. (laughs) I'm telling you, she is the only one that I know that's on there. So, uh, you know what? Go ahead and blame Condi. You go ahead. (laughs) I mean, if like Dave Hart or somebody's on there, I mean, I would have no idea. But hopefully not John Curry. Haslam's on there? uh, He might be. Oh my gosh! Sorry, appreciate your thunder on no, that one, man. But. No, you're good. Um, I'll stop ragging on Notre Dame because we got a lot to cover. Um, but the other yeah, painful thing the about the rest of us rag on them. Yeah, yeah I would please like do. Like, I mean, like, let's be real about Notre Dame for a second. This whole them not playing in a conference, like, we can talk about tradition, and you can talk about scheduling. And sure, they go out there and they play, you know, big name teams. They do. You know, they got an annual rivalry with Stanford. They, they play an an, annually against, uh, you know, USC. Um, they scheduled an SEC team, albeit Vanderbilt, this year. Uh, they played, what, Georgia last year. I mean, they, they're, they're not, not scheduling, you know, good teams. The problem is that you just can't simulate the same schedule or the same weekend, week out kind of, I guess, jeopardy that comes with playing in a conference like the SEC. It's just not the same when you're an independent. In the conference title game, I think it's a big deal because there's just it, it, the the fervor around that game, the atmosphere around that game is just going to be different. You're playing for something. When teams are playing for something, they tend to play harder. Things tend to be sharper. They tend to, tend to bring their A game. And I just don't think Notre Dame can simulate that with even if they move to a 13-week. You know, schedule and added another game on that 
the conference championship week. I don't know what they can do. They need to join a conference. The ACC is the natural conference that they already are tied in with basketball. I don't understand why they continue to fight this other than to uphold their NBC contract and, you know, to maintain that kind of independent status. And in short, Notre Dame, you ain't better than us. Join a conference. Yeah, take our schedule. Here, here. Take, yeah, dilly, dilly. Dilly. Oh, goodness. Here we go. Is that bleed orange oh, in God. there? Oh, boy, here that we was. go. There you go. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I mean, I've been having some conversation back and forth with a couple of people on uh, VolQuest about it. I just think it's uh, absurd that Notre Dame should be in there. I think, uh, you know, what, do, what does the NCAA, are they concerned that if they pass a rule that you have to win your conference championship to qualify, to be considered to play in the playoffs? Uh, are they afraid that Notre Dame won't then go ahead and, and participate in the ACC championship? I mean, let's face it, yesterday was the ACC championship. Notre Dame's in the ACC for everything but football. That's a good point. So mm-hmm. yesterday was the ACC championship, and we saw what, would ha- what happened. And if they had played the ACC championship, we wouldn't have any of this foolishness to worry about with Notre Dame being selected. They would not have made it. That's a so, fantastic. That's a really is, good point. And I'm still triggered when you say that bleed orange because there have been many threads on it about Trevor Lawrence and T Higgins. I'm not trying to derail us here, but gosh, I can't. Travis Etienne and Jay Dixon. Uh, I keep going with your thought though, but I'm just, I'm still upset. I know the whole everybody's upset about that. Talk about well, the yeah, Boulevard just, broken Tennessee dreams. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, we, we get into this stuff about well, you know, Notre. I, I get it that Notre Dame could only play the teams that they had scheduled, but their schedule turned out to be really soft this year. They had like the 34th ranked schedule in the country this year, and um, when you look last year at UCF, who didn't make it in, they were 10th. And somebody's trying to argue about, well, you know, I mean, you can't fault Notre Dame for it. They're going to get away with what they can get away with. But I don't understand uh, how the NCAA can make a mockery of a playoff by having Notre Dame in there just because they went undefeated and just because they were Notre Dame. That's just pathetic. I agree. And here's, and, but, I, and here, but I will say, ahead. sorry, Al, uh, and I'll no, get this quick. But I will say that it does irritate me when I hear Georgia fans talk about, oh, we were the fourth best team. We should have been in. I get that. The, the, Georgia was a very good team this year. And if they beat LSU, they're in the playoff, regardless yep. of that loss to Bama. And that, and that to me, yep. is it, like, right. never been a two-loss team. Yep. I don't think a two-loss team deserves to go to the playoff. Unfortunately, even if at the end of the season they are the best team, one of the best, the top four teams, and that's just the way it is. I don't understand why that's so hard for people to understand. You win the the, the conference championship, you're in. You lost. You don't lose to LSU, you're in. But you lost. And so that's, that's what's dealing with. That's like, you know, I mean, I'm sorry. Life ain't fair, you know. And clothes only play. counts in hand, or shoes and hand grenades. And well, that ain't it. Might have been. It's just not going to happen. You're not putting a two-loss team in there. It's just not going to happen. In my opinion, and I've gotten into arguments with people around here because, damn it, I live in Georgia country and I hate it. Um, you know, I know <laughs> GT. You can feel my pain. Bleed orange. Hey, too. this is Georgia. Especially bleed orange. All right. Yeah, uh, so, anyways, I've you know, I'm like guys, you get you guys have two losses. 
and you don't deserve to be in the playoff. And number two, Ohio State should have been in over North Notre Dame, and I hate Ohio State. But they're a one-loss right. conference champion, and they absolutely destroyed what was supposedly the best defense of the nation. So why not put them in? Can't argue. Uh, now, who did Ohio State lose to? Purdue. They lost to Purdue by like twenty-eight, yeah. I think. Purdue, Purdue. Did. Yeah. Well, that's that's I mean, pretty tough too. Right. I mean, maybe this segues into a discussion briefly about. I mean. Should the six? Should we have a six-team playoff? Should we have an eight-team playoff? What does it look like? I mean, I used well, to, you know, say, oh, number seven should have gotten in, or oh, number nine should have gotten in. You're gonna I have agree. the same debates no matter what you I do. Agree. How many people are in. I agree, hmm. but does four? But since no, you, you have five power five conferences, does a four-team playoff? like naturally create that angst that say a 16 playoff wouldn't. And I mean, and for, you know, just to kind of put this out there, like I know there are a whole bunch of huge fans on the board of NCAA football back for PlayStation. And I got into modding and I'm about to show my nerd card real quick, but I got into modding and you could like make it have a playoff. Like after the fact, if you just like tinkered with a little bit, like using some programs at any rate, like, I tinkered with it one year and made like an 18 playoff and put all five conference champions in there. It does create, some some variations that are pretty interesting but basically if you do that you eliminate all relevance for every other bowl in pretty much the last like two games of the season um for for the teams if they're not in competition for like a conference title basically like if you were to take and put all the power five conference champions in and then take the next three at large or if you were to take and put all five conference champions in and take one at large maybe that's the way to do it but with the top with the conference champions also be the five best teams. It's, you know, it's, it's interesting debate to have. It, looking it at the Pac-12 though, they don't need to be in any college football playoff conversation. They're hot garbage. And they have been and for that, a while. And that's where, and that's where like when you talk about the system, you know, it gets difficult. Well, I think, I think the argument does. I mean, if you're going to go to a playoff situation, it makes the most sense to recognize the conferences out there, regardless of how strong they may be. So I think you kind of have to do that. And then I think it's go, go to eight teams and have three of them. You can, uh, you know, look, somebody could sneak up on someone in a conference championship that was undefeated. Now you got two teams coming out. One doesn't win the conference championship and they only have one loss on their record that happened at the championship. So, you know, that's a team that maybe ought to be in that eight and two from one conference, which would have quite possibly happened this year. I mean, the fact of the matter is you've got how many teams in the NCAA basketball, 64 starting out, and there are still people who complain every year that they didn't make it in. So it, you're going to have to stop somewhere, but it, it seems to me like the, the playoffs have got to expand or they're going to have to change some of these rules to – to me, just giving Notre Dame a pass because they're Notre Dame is unconscionable. Agreed. All right. What about briefly about this idea? This is I'll just this is off the wall, and this is probably stupid. But what if, like, say you have the eighteen playoff, right? The problem with that is then your season gets way too long, and it like that's a lot of wear and tear on people's bodies. Like that's what it's going to be sixteen games essentially instead of fifteen, and then. So, all right, so check this out. What if you'd make the first game 
like a designated game or the first week of the season, you change that into like a mini like preseason, basically. Whereas like people don't have to worry about the record. They can kind of rest the players scrimmage, get a test for their team is you can still have some good high profile matchups, but you aren't necessarily like kind of beholden to the, you know, the, the, the detrimental aspects of like losing a game and hurting your record. I mean, I don't know. It's just an idea. Right. But if you went to eight, my fear with going to eight is that the season gets so long. You're already dealing with kids who are sitting out of bowls because they don't want to, you know, injure themselves and more wear and tear on their bodies. But like, they'll play in the senior bowl. That's <laughs> true. That's true. That's true. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I think as PT said, there's no real easy fix to this. And I think any kind of solution you're going to come with is going to come with its own set of problems. Right. Yeah, and I mean, I think when you get to the playoff committee, you know, I think I don't need, you know, we don't need visibility to how they decide, but I think some clarity on, you know, what actually gets a team in. I mean, if you look, like, take this, take this second game of Bama and OU. You know, OU got in as the number four team. Thanks for T reminding me that they were four instead of three. Um, you know, getting in, they looked much more, you know, athletically equivalent to what Alabama put on the field. Mostly in the second half, the first half, they looked a little shell-shocked, and, and Kyler started a little slow. Um, but, I mean, that's what you want. That's what the playoffs built for is to get two teams like that to play each other. Now, Notre Dame was the anomaly that went up against Clemson, which I think Clemson's going to give Bama all they can handle next week. But that's another topic that we could spend another 20 minutes on. But, you know, I think, you know, based off just looking at that, the, the committee needs to – rationalize a little bit better on what puts a team in if it's if it's losses if it's close losses if it's undefeated if it's you're winning your conference title if whatever that is it, it has to be clarified because if not we're going to end up in the same mess whether i think bleed orange like you said with with six or eight or however many teams they put in there's always going to be someone out there you know people didn't like it when a computer decided it now we have people deciding which adds many, many more variables into that discussion. But at the same time, there has to be a rhyme or reason. You can't just say, well, Notre Dame got in because, you know, they're Notre Dame and they're undefeated. And, you know, we didn't want to put another one loss team or a two loss team in over an undefeated team. Well, that that doesn't make for great football and it doesn't make for great viewerships or the brand of college football. So I think, you know, the, the committee has some work to do next year and deciding on what kind of stance they're going to make. Uh, moving forward. Right. I mean, you kind of mentioned it, but it's almost like we went from a, we transitioned from an objective system where you had the computer being the third party's inputs going in and it, you know, it put out names to go into now a subjective based system because the, the past, the objective based system, everybody had problems with it. And, and, and you, we all understand why, in my opinion, we're always going to be in the same spot because there's every year, unless there are four clear cut teams that deserve to be in from four separate conferences. And the fifth conference just has a two loss team who doesn't seem like they deserve to be in, i.e. the PAC 12 probably, or the big 12 probably, then I think we're going to be in the same place because the sec, if you have a one loss team from the sec and a conference champion, I don't see how the sec team is never in the playoff just based off strength of schedule, based off what's got, what we got going on right now. And the ACC, I guess you would say in the, in the Big Ten are the next two strongest conferences. But, 
I think we're always going to have problems. I think that's part of what makes it kind of fun, to be honest. It's the controversy. It's like Americans love political controversy. We love controversy in the college football playoff. It gets us something to talk about. UCF's the darling child now because, or yeah, UCF, because, you know, they keep going undefeated, but there's all these reasons why not. And so that makes it kind of fun. But at the same time, this all would have been solved if Notre Dame would have just kept up, kept up their end of the bargain and showed up ready to play. But they didn't. And that's unfortunate. And so I think it, I think hey, they right. I, I don't think that they. T. I don't think that they didn't show up to play. I just think that they're that overrated. Yep, that's awesome. Hey. Thing too. That is. They get, hey, look, they oh, get wow. run in these games all the time. I mean, Priest Young, the confession corner was all about. Well, like, they, all right, so, question for the group then. I mean, are these games too big for them because they are not playing? You know, your big. You know, first week, in my opinion, maybe I mean, I mean outside. Well, I know they play that Georgia this. game, but like, are these games too big for them? Right when they get to the two biggest games that they had, you know, Georgia and USC. They played Georgia last year, and the USC is an annual event. That game last year that they play every year. But if you look at USC, they've been down for the past few years, and more than likely, Clay Helton is either out or he's on his last year. So if USC ever gets back to being what USC was and you know Notre Dame beats them, I can see them getting some traction. But they really don't play much of anybody. Why not just have a tie-in to the Big Ten, since that's exactly where they fit in, play guys like Penn State, Michigan State, Ohio State, um, whiskey every year. And if you run through them and make it out, okay, we'll start talking about putting you in the CFP again. But until then, there there's go. no reason for you to even have a conversation. Absolutely. Yeah, I, and the yeah. thing is about going to more teams, it's never going to be perfect, but it can be better. I mean, I've always thought that the eight team with getting an giving an automatic bid to the conference champion makes the conference games much more interesting. Right. Because that makes yeah. like each each conference game is like really, really important now. More right. so than perhaps it is before. Because like, right now, like I guess like in the SEC, right? Your SEC East games are important. Your SEC West games are important. And then you want to at least win one of the others so that you're pretty much guaranteed to win the tiebreaker against everybody else in your side of the division. But, like, if you made it where the conference championship determined whether or not you were going to go to the playoff, and then you gave three at-large bids to the next three best teams, you could get in your UCF, and you would almost guaranteed to get in your Bama. You're almost guaranteed to get in Georgia this year. And even Notre Dame gets to go and, 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 and get their butt kicked. But, you know, <laughs> that's, you know, it's kind of interesting to think about that. And then you just, you, then, then you would argue about seeding, right? One plan eight and yada, yada, yada. Hey, let so, me ask you all, let me yeah, ask ahead, you all this. Uh, if, let's say, let's say Georgia, let's say Georgia beat LSU, but played out the same way the rest of the year and they lose to Bama, do they get in? In front of yes. Dame. yes, yes. You think they do? Yes, yeah. yes. The way that Alabama game that's turned just... out, losing by one touchdown, I think it was one touchdown. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're yep. definitely yep. in over that Notre Dame team. Notre Dame would cry foul, they would complain, cry or whatever, but at least their fans would have been spared the 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 sight of watching what Clemson did to them. So maybe it's a it's a. I was gonna say, you know, the thing is, is that with Notre Dame, you can go back to what preset and confession corner and talk about how badly they've gotten their butts handed to them every other time they've been in either a BCS or a big bowl. I mean, they just 
they don't have the Asia Parsegan or the Lou Holtz anymore, and it's just not going to happen. Well, the game has changed so much. Go ahead, pal. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say something something else about playing in a championship game in your conference is unless you're Alabama – you know that that now that game the SEC championship game has been pretty has been a lot closer the last few years, but typically Alabama has been blowing everybody out in that game. But even in all the conferences, you never that game is so different that you never know what's going to happen in that game. And a you know a, an undefeated team can get beat just because that game just has a different feel to it. It plays out differently. It's like the the under yeah. the underdog you know, always plays up. Well, yeah, and uh, but it's just I think it's important to play that game um, for Notre Dame. It it would it would validate them being in if they win that game. I completely agree. Yeah, I mean, and and just like really taking fair, it's not really fair. I agree. Go ahead. I was just saying, like, if we take our eight team kind of thing, you know, running with this fantasy idea here, right? This year it would have been Bama won the SEC. They would have been the one seed. Clemson won the ACC. They still would have been the, the two seed. Oklahoma won the Big 12. They'd have been in probably the three or the four. And then Ohio State would have been in because they won the Big 10. Yep. Uh, 12, however, would have received a bid in this scenario. And the question is, that be fair or unfair to the next, not three teams, but four teams in the we're putting eight teams in, right? So we'd say, like, okay, Notre Dame, you're in. UCF, you're in. Georgia's going to be in in this scenario. And then who's the, who's the who's the other four I foul over whoever the – I don't even know who the Pac-12 Conference Championship was. Champion was. Like, I mean, was it Washington? Mm. <laughs> who was it? Yeah, Washington. Washington yeah, State? Yeah, it was, was it Washington, Washington State. Washington, yeah, it was Washington right? <laughs> All right, and they were. I don't know. Was it Washington State? I don't know. Oh, no, because Washington State got like. Didn't they get like shellacked in the conference? I just remember seeing a thread about it. So I, don't, I get a lot of my news from the board, unfortunately. And so if I don't, I'm not paying attention pretty, to it. I'm pretty sure Washington won their conference. It's pretty bad that we'd have to Google it to find out. All of us. <laughs> right. So okay. So that 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 kind of makes the point for it. Right, so we, in my in this fantasy series, Washington, they, they won a riveting game. Sorry to interrupt. They they beat Utah ten to three in that defensive juggernaut of a game. Wow! And what was their record of the year? <laughs> See, I can't go that far. Come I on, I think now. they were like nine and three. Okay, with that nine and three Washington team and the eight team conference champion automatic bid to be in. I mean, you, you got to kind of give Washington, you know, if they get in, you got to kind of give them at least a a, mid, a bit of a chance because you've got, you know, Chris Peterson as your coach. The guy can just coach, period. But I guess and, kind of that would make it interesting, right? Because if the 9-3 and three conference yeah. champion and then they just ran the table and beat everybody, that would say, like, all right, maybe we made some mistakes during the season, but if we win the – uh oh. It's awesome. RT, you still there? 
Yeah, it looks like we're losing T a little bit there. Oh, sorry, my mic was. There we go. He's back. I was like, yeah, I said I don't know. I mean, maybe does the not does that you know if you can grit it out through the season, you lose some maybe you lose some games in the regular season, but you grit it out at the very end, get your conference championship, and then you the playoff and beat everybody. I mean, I guess the wins would prove that you deserve to be there. I don't know. right. Just like Notre Dame losing proved they did not deserve to be there. Exactly. Well, and that's why they play the games, gentlemen. That's why they play the games. I know there's the other side of the bracket. Uh, Priest, I think you want to talk a little bit about, sorry, choke the the yak, the, the Alabama Crimson Tide a little bit. You had some notes on that, that game against Oklahoma? Yeah, I mean, really, you know, we have some much more fun topics to talk about. So the last thing I'm going to say is, is confession is that, uh, you know, I don't care if Tua's ankle is 20% or 30%. His ankle doesn't matter because his arm is amazing. Watching that game, I mean, I hate to say it about a Bama play, but that there was that one pass. It was called incomplete on the sideline, but he put it up there. He painted it like a, a freaking Bob Ross painting. And it went in between two <laughs> defenders, hit the receiver. I mean, the receiver wasn't even looking for the ball. Judy wasn't even looking for the football and just had his hands and it just fell into it. I mean, it was it was beautiful. Like, And we were, I was sitting watching the game. I was like, you can't cover that. It doesn't matter if you hit him. It doesn't matter if he runs. The guy is one of the top college quarterback in the country. I think he's better than Kyler Murray because Kyler Murray's my height and – Looks like me running around out there, but, um, but Tua just ridiculous. That I'll I'll end with that on my confession is that I have a man crush on Tua's left arm and the way he uses it. Whoa, let's not Dude, go with I, that. I have never seen a more accurate college quarterback in my thirty-seven years on this earth. It's. I, it's it's uncanny. It's like wait, it's wait like a minute. He, Hold on now. Thirty-seven years. It. Hold on now. Thirty-seven years. PTC. Yes, okay. I was born in eighty-one. All right. Well, okay, obviously, PTC, you wasn't watching Dan Marino at Pitt. No, I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. Yeah, with his fifty-eight completion percentage and all the uh, interceptions he threw. <laughs> but in the games that, that mattered. Play. In the games that mattered, he was on fire. What was the response from the OP? He's like, from the guy, he's like, well, at least he completed them, the ones that he threw to the other team, too. <laughs> then the touchdowns that were all glorious. Straight down. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but, you know, it's he has an uncanny ability to not only hit his receiver in stride, but to put it in a place where if anybody's going to catch it, it's going to be his receiver. And at the same time, making sure that his receiver can use his body to shield the defender. If it's a tight window or if he knows he's going to get hammered. Uh, I I don't know what kind of pro tool is going to be, but I will tell you, I wouldn't mind him have studying under Matt Ryan or Andrew Luck, either one would be fine with me. And watching, you know, it's going to be a glorious thing. I was actually going to ask Priest of all this at the very end of the confession corner is who do you think Tua gets drafted by? Predict Tua's NFL team. So he's a he's a he's a true sophomore. So he has one more year. I mean, he could be a Titan. I bet a lot of Tennessee fans would love that. 
because I mean they're they're either gonna sign Mariota for one more year ironic? and and break him again because he's broken. Um, and but yeah, he he will. I'll, I'll go. I'll go. He's gonna be a Titan with like the number two pick in twenty twenty. Uh, he could go to the, How about that. He could go to the Bills or the Jets for that matter. Falcons, as bad as they are. Or you know what? He could end up in. Um, he could end up in Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is last in the uh, NFC South, and Jameis is probably not long for them, and they're not going to have Ryan Fitzgerald there. And Deshaun Jack said a couple of weeks ago, he's like, I'm done with y'all. Trade me. Wow. No, it's it's interesting. Do we have any – I do want to give Priest some props on the confession corner. I do I do think it's worth – Nine ninety nine. So a little bit more than nine ninety five. So you know, worth the nine ninety five. We'll say. So thank you for that. Anybody? Do we want to talk any more about college football playoff? I know we we talked. We pretty much hated on Notre Dame yeah. this entire segment. Or do we want to just go around the horn down. and say who we think wins out of you know Bama, Clemson, round four? And next week, I do want to talk about if this is good for college football or not because I think that's an interesting topic. Um, you know, you have the SEC pride people on the board. You have people. You know, I'm tired of seeing the same game. I mean, obviously, we're not as you know excited because Tennessee's not even in a freaking bowl game. Um, so I think that'd be an interesting, you know, topic next week. Is well, you know, is this good for football? Think about enough? this. But, Look at the NBA. Which two teams has it been in the past couple of years? See, but I'll, I'll say it's the same the thing. Friggin', it's, been, it's been the freaking Warriors and the Cavaliers. Yes. Now it's going to be the freaking Warriors and the Celtics. Well, so I mean, I don't want to see that garbage keep coming back all the time just like i don't want to see alabama and clemson you know beat each other to death i I care zero about alabama i hate them slightly less than i hate georgia and i care nothing about clemson and ever since they stole etienne lynn j trevor you know quarterback jesus and t higgins (laughs) and amari from us they can all go to hell well and and the way (laughs) well played power t yeah, the way that they did the T Higgins thing with the you know the freaking fireworks and how they had hit you know they had uh, time to let it go again. It's time I know, to let it go. I know, it's but like I go. think this was and, a personal and thing. Too. I, and I could talk for an hour, and I talked my dad's ear off on this about how I think Clemson is. Taking- oh boy, here we go. I know exactly, guys, guys, guys. But all right, you have a kid. I want you to put yourself in a parent's shoes here. You got a sixteen-year-old, seventeen-year-old athletic freak who's bound for the NFL. All right. Okay. To play for national title contending Dabo Sweeney in Clemson is a perennial contender where you can send him to play for Butch Jones, who rumor has everybody he recruits. Okay. And doesn't seem to have one in his body when it matters in the game. Okay. Who are you going with? And in hindsight, well, first all, of all those kids uh, objectively Jones made the best decision for them. I, I, I love you guys know how much I love Tennessee, right? And I wish T Higgins were in, but objectively, it's hard to argue with what he did. Now he didn't, but like objectively, guys. I mean, come on. I agree. I'd look at Georgia Tech and I'd say, go back orange. Here's what I wouldn't do. Here's, here's what? what I wouldn't do. If I, if, 
if um if if i had a if i had a son like that that was you know like what you're talking about the hypothetical that you threw out um i would i would i can understand going to clemson there's i would try to get him not to go to like georgia or florida or something like that just because of my hatred i, I could not I could not that. like them. Now, even if my son was there, I could not. But, you know, I'd be like, go anywhere you want to go. If you don't want to go to Tennessee, fine. <laughs> you Please don't go to Georgia or Florida, whatever, you know. Um, I can understand most places, you know, but, you know, I just – I could not – I don't know what I would do. Are you, are you talking about, like, a specific offensive lineman recruit that maybe, you know – Yes, actually, I am. In <laughs> Vegas. Jade, yeah, I, you know, I almost feel like it's different with the position too, right? Because like with offensive line, let's—he was going to start here. He's going to be playing yeah. here, and you know, at the time, it was clear that a regime change was happening, and that a strength and conditioning program akin to Alabama was going to be instituted here. And a lot of Georgia, you know, coaches bring that same type of mentality. We're coming here, and so you. But, you, you know, to me, an offensive lineman is very different than like a wide receiver or like a running back who That's is required point. to be in a system where they need to get the necessary amount of touches in a necessary way so that they will be able to show off their skill set. An offensive line, like you're either you're the pass blocking or you're run blocking. And NFL teams don't care what system you ran. Whether or not you can maul somebody and protect the quarterback. I mean – Mm-hmm. At least maybe maybe that's just an uneducated opinion by me because I don't know exactly what everything about like offensive tackles and offensive guards I do about skill positions, but like I don't really see like how he would have hurt his NFL draft stock in that way by choosing Tennessee. And not only that, but it's not like he went to like I guess he did at the time go to like a team that would be competing the next year for a title. But like he almost to me he's like split the baby, right? It was like I don't want to go to like Alabama who's like playing for the title now, but I don't want to go to like a team that's already rebuilt. I'll just go to an up and coming team that seems like they're on the precipice or something like that. But anyways, I don't forgive him. Yeah. We, we'll, I don't want to get this post deleted, so we'll make sure not to talk too much more about him. Um, so let's go through real quickly. Let's go. Um, and let's just say predictions for the, the game. Um, when is the game, by the way, that's, it's a, uh, like in two weeks, right? Or is it next January week? 7th. Okay. So who you got, PTC, Bama or Clemson? The secondary for Bama isn't as good as it has been in past years, like when you had Eddie Jackson and Minka Fitzpatrick back there. So touchdown Jesus uh, could probably take some advantage of that. Yeah. Um, I still think the front seven for Alabama is really stout and they can shut down Etienne. You know, my question is, is when is uh, Lawrence going to actually see that freshman wall and hit it? Is it going to be this game? I mean, he looked like a fifth-year senior uh, in the uh, semifinals. Tua, we know what Tua is. We know how good he is. Um, I just – you've got Jerry Judy. You've got Irv Smith. Um, you've got Jalen Waddle. And that offensive line is just – they're just nasty. Um, I, yeah, I think – I don't know if Dexter Lawrence is going to play in this game or not. But if he's not playing, advantage goes to the Alabama um, offensive line, period. They've got – they do have Christian Wilkins. 
and they've got another guy that's uh, extremely good. But without Dexter Lawrence, I don't think that they can stop the run game with Josh Jacobs uh, leading the way. And Damian, I think it's Damian Harris as well. I just don't think you have enough there. It's not going to be Alabama running away with it. I think something maybe like 34-30, Alabama. Uh, but it's it's going to be fairly close. Cool. Uh, Bleed Orange, what do you think? Well, I hope they just beat the ever-living crap out of each other that uh, they go into 15 overtimes. Both teams limp away with a 0-0 tie, and they just, for the first time in the history of college football, they just call the game. I love it. Like that, uh, or or something like it, it gets called on like a weather delay, like lightning or something like really stupid, you know? <laughs> Uh, that would be I, interesting. I love the game to go all night long. And and the teams and the fans walk away thinking, damn, I hated that I came to this thing. Right, yeah, and they postponed another week or something. Uh, right. All the Alabama fans that took all their monthly rent to, to go to the national title game had to figure yeah. out. A, they got to dance a couple more nights at the club. Um, there you go. Priest, what do you think, man? Uh, Alabama or – Clemson. You know, I'm going to be different. I'm going to go Clemson just because I, I I think they should even it up, and then we get in the same discussion this time next year when they're playing each other again for the fifth time in a row. Um, no, I'm going. I'm going to go Clemson. I think Clemson can hang with them. I think their defense will uh, will show up, and I think um, you know that they'll actually pull it off. It, I think it'll be another good game. I, I, yeah, I hope. And if Bama blows them out, then I'll eat my words. That's fine. Everybody can call me out, but I'm going Clemson. Okay. Okay. T, what do you think, man? Uh, I think Alabama's going to beat that realistic snot out of them. And I think they're going to win by over. Now, I've, I've said since the beginning of the year that Bama was three touchdowns better than pretty much anybody. But I'll go with Bama by 14 in this game, and I think that they'll come out swinging early and punch Clemson right in the mouth, and right. then later on in the game they'll demoralize it by running them straight down their throat. I don't think Clemson has the horses to hang with Bama at all on either side of the ball, and I don't think that Clemson's wide receiver is going to get great separation against Bama's secondary, nor do I think that Clemson's DBs can hang with Bama's wide receivers. They struggled against Notre Dame's early in that game, and the speed differential is just going to be – much, much worse. And Bama still has some big guys on the outside. Um, I also think that they're going to struggle with dealing with Tua, who's more of a true dual threat than Ian Book is. Um, I don't think that they're going to be able to get consistent pressure on Tua. I do think Bama will get pressure on Trevor Lawrence. And I think Trevor is going to be baited into throwing some bad passes and trying to escape that pressure. Um, he got away from some you know, would be sacks against Notre Dame that I don't think he gets away with or away from against Bama. So I'll go ahead and say 42 to 24. Wow. Wow. That's like a blowout. I don't, I, I don't have faith in Clemson. I don't oh, think wow. they're, very, I don't think that that good of a team. I really don't. I think Georgia would beat them. I, I don't think that good of a team. I think Trevor Lawrence wow. is amazing, but I, I just don't, I don't think, down the line, that they're that good. I think Notre Dame will look better than they actually are. Uh, Powell, what do you think, brother? Clemson or the Crimson Tide? I'm going to go with Clemson also. 
Yeah. I just think I think it's I just think it's their time. Um, I think Alabama's probably better, but for whatever reason, um, I just think um, I can see some. Actually, I, I guess I can just say I'm hoping some bad things go for Alabama starting off early and Clemson can get a lead and they can hold on to it. And I'm sure Alabama will eventually make a run. But that's just what I think, what I hope happens in this game. And I'm going to say I'm going to say Clemson by like 10, 34, 24. Wow. Now, is the uh, the guy that was busted for steroids or whatever, he you know, the Dexter Lawrence, is he playing or is he out for the whole playoff? I hadn't heard anything else about this. Have no. you all? I don't know if he's out for the no playoff, idea. but he's the one who got busted. I, I think and they mentioned on the game he's out. Okay. Like during the Notre Dame Clemson game, I think he's out. It wouldn't yeah. matter. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I actually, and I called this on, I was a guest on another podcast, um, a college football one a few weeks ago, and I actually called. I, I said Clemson was going to win because I think Trevor Lawrence is the, is the difference maker. He's an X factor. He's going to come out and he's going to show stuff. I mean, the touch that he has, I mean, he's he's got some studs at wide receiver on the outside that he can throw to some big rangy receivers and they've got solid enough offensive line to be able to protect him. I think he's going to be the difference maker and really kind of solidify the legend of Trevor Lawrence. If you haven't heard that name before, you're going to hear it uh, against Alabama. I think I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think they they find a way to win kind of towards the end, and he does some kind of crazy drive at the end, that fourth quarter drive for them to win. I mean, he's he's. I think Peyton Manning, you know, in the flesh, you know, the second version of him, he, he's that good of a player, and he should be in the, the right color orange, but he's over at Clemson, which is some of the worst words I've had to say. So um, it's – it's fun to watch the guy play, but it's also heartbreaking as well. But I, uh, I do a, think he looks like Kate Blanchett. What? Well, never seen him in the same room In Elizabeth the First or Elizabeth Golden Age, Bleed Orange. Yeah, could be. I'm not sure. Is this back before they use smoke signals to communicate or right around that time? (laughs) Lead Orange, what are you doing over there? Are you like filing papers or something? Because is that you in the background? Never mind. I'm I'm hating on you because you didn't want a microphone for me for Christmas, but that's a whole other Littering in. Exactly. Littering in. So uh, he, he wants to use his microphone from his computer. He doesn't want a nice PodQuest uh, labeled uh, microphone. But uh, man, I've been working on my fire. You want you want to? Maybe that's maybe that's for Father's Day. I'll get him that. So let's talk really quickly as we kind of ra- wrap this thing up. Um, I want to bring it to Powell. Just kind of hear his thoughts. We had a good discussion beforehand, and I know we ha- maybe want to talk about recruiting as well a little bit in the the meltdown of the board that's happening as we record this. So thank you VolQuest for the, the content for us to talk about, but let's talk OC really fast. You know, we know one thing, we don't know anything. Pru is quiet. He just wants to recruit Powell. What are you kind of hearing out there? You don't have to name sources or anything, but you know, are you hearing anything out there and kind of what are your general thoughts on what the heck is going on with this OC search? And let's all kind of chime in on this, but I think it's interesting. We need to, it's another week and another discussion about it. So, I don't think it. I think at this point, um, nobody nobody truly knows anything. Um, 
you know, I really thought I had I had a buddy telling me for a long time that it was Urich and it was going to be him. And yep. we were just, we were just in this holding pattern until we got through the early signing day and all that stuff. And it kind of it added up to what you know Doug Matthews was saying, but and now it doesn't feel like that he's the guy. And I have no idea who it is. I, I don't believe I don't believe the mods know. I don't believe anybody knows what's going on. But kind of what we were talking about earlier. I'm going to be, I'm, I will be a little bit disappointed if we truly have been just, we put this to the side and we haven't been working on trying to find us an OC for the last three weeks or whatever it is. Um, that That's just an odd way of doing things, in my opinion. I don't, I don't know how you all feel about it. I've never seen it. I, I've never... I don't know. Maybe there's another examples out there, but I don't ever remember and and a coordinator position being open and it going really longer than seven or ten days before you find somebody. And here we you are, mean like, like a head coach. <laughs> do, do what now? You mean like a head coach at Tennessee? <laughs> well, yeah. Um, but and and I was I was I was talking to another friend is. It seems like we try to reinvent how we how you do things in college football. It seems like when it comes to finding coaches, um, and we end up being we, we just end up being a team that like always screws it up. I don't you know I don't know how we do that. And it doesn't matter who our leadership is, whether it's you know the group that we had before or now it's former. It's nothing just goes. We it's like we can't have anything nice. Nothing goes smooth. <laughs> This is why we can't have nice things. Yeah. Well, Pilot, wasn't there a point, though, that through some of your contacts and and folks he's got a few around, um, it's a little bit more than a a drinking buddy down at the bar or something like that. Um, Yes. It it felt like it was going to be your such, didn't it? But then it just kind of seems to have faded a little bit. Is that kind of what you're feeling? Yes. That's um, that's kind of the way. That's that's the way things were laid out to me, and now you know I talked to I talked to my buddy earlier, and he's just like, he basically just throwing up his hands. He's like, I have no idea what's going on. And so, and I think that's listening, you know, li- listening to Brent and stuff, and reading what he says. I, I think he probably feels the same way too. I don't think he knows what's going on either. I, I mean, I don't think anybody does. Well, that's that's what makes it tough. For... I just want to know who the idiot was that that posted that Sark was fired. He's a moron. Yeah, <laughs> that that was a Vol Fan Forever guy, I think, or AKA. Yep, that was AKA guy. PFF. He confused that me. That was just the horrible, horrible attempt at a troll. If anybody pays attention to the NFL at all, horrible attempt. I really hope Pruitt has a plan here and he's following his plan. And even though we, we have no idea what that plan is right now and it looks kind of like it's all out of sorts, maybe it isn't. Maybe it's supposed to look like this because maybe he does have somebody, he has an ace in a hole or something and nobody, he's they've kept it this quiet. And we all end up looking like fools. And I, I really hope that's the outcome of this because it just... <laughs> It just doesn't look pretty right now. 
That's true. Yeah, it is. And, you know, that's kind of the the $1.2 million question or however much Helton was getting paid um, is, you know, how long is this thing going to take and what are the optics around it? Is it, is it look bad? I mean, you know, you don't have an OC and you bring in one of the top quarterbacks in 2020, Harrison Bailey, which if you have not seen that periscope, I was there and have not been charged yet with any formal crimes, but um, I was there at the <laughs> ceremony. So um, that's up for only a certain amount of time. Uh, but you're uh, good yeah. at so GT. I got you. You're good at yeah. so. Okay, good. I do have representation. So if anybody that's not a confession, don't worry. About it. We were just in the confession corner, but uh, so no. I mean, I, I feel like you know, it's one of these things where yeah, the optics aren't really the best, but we're still hitting our stride and I, you know pulling in a cornerstone, you know, recruit like a Harrison Bailey and continuing rolling. I mean, it's like. Do we even need one or do we want to take our time? But you do want that finality of having somebody in, in place. Um, so, or maybe they do know. And that's, a, that's the other question, right? Like you guys have, or the other thought is you, you guys have said is like, maybe they do know and they have it all figured out. It just hasn't been released for whatever reason, or they're working on the contract or some kind of timing. So it's, you know, nobody, nobody freaking knows. And we're all grasping at straws for something, but um, your it sense does sound good. It seems like too, though, that, you know, a lot of people have certainly speculated that some of these kids, well, Pruitt made the comment, for instance, that an OC is overrated. Um, And to a certain extent, I can understand why he's saying that, because look at what's been happening in Alabama. I mean, Nick Saban keeps going through these OCs and they're going on into the NFL or head coaching jobs and that sort of thing and, and defensive coordinators, but yet they keep plugging along and that's kind of looking at that model you can understand why uh coach Pruitt would have made that comment sort of off the cuff like that because he says you know basically we got to go out and recruit the guys in order for an OC to be effective he's got to have the right tools in his toolbox um but I think we've also kind of all speculated a little bit that uh, maybe he did have somebody that's been floated to the recruits or maybe a, a name or a couple of names with some of these guys jumping in the boat. Um, so I don't, I don't know whatever the, uh, other folks think about that, but that's kind of been some speculation as well. You know, I don't mean to throw gasoline on the fire. Okay. Um, but do, do people want to come work as Jeremy Pruitt's offensive coordinator? It's a good point. I mean, mm-hmm. Hilton mm-hmm. is a well-respected guy in the coaching community. His family goes way back. He's an easygoing guy, a nice guy. I haven't heard anybody, anybody say any bad things about him. And there was some friction there, um, not only with Pruitt, but with the people around Pruitt that aren't leaving, namely, you know, Coach Friend. Um, and Coach Lilly is also a sounding board for uh, for Jeremy. So you, you got to ask yourself, does do offensive coordinators, regardless of the platform that they'll have by coming to Tennessee, do they want to come work in an environment where they necessarily may be hamstrung and not be able to do exactly what they want to do or have the type of command presence that they believe that they'll need in order to fully, fully be successful and also be responsible for whatever outcome happens? I mean, Helton is, is wearing 
the failure of, of Tennessee's offense this past year? And is that entirely fair to him? I still can't after going back and watching the tape and, and from all the If I Were Helton segments, figure out who was doing what and when. It's impossible unless you were in the in the room or in or had a headset on. So the question for me is, is this an attractive position actually when you factor in all those those factors? It very well might not be. <laughs> so and then you know just even that the offensive output from the, the players and you're gonna be constantly criticized. Um, if you don't come in and turn this thing around, because that's what everybody's thinking, right? Whoever the next guy that's coming in is going to turn this thing around 180, and it's going to be they're going Tennessee's going to be doing 40 points a game. So, or at least hopefully, right? You're going to plug in Darnell, right? You're going to plug in Wanya Morris. You're going to maybe put in Kennedy, and then you know you're going to put in a, an all-star offensive coordinator, and this thing's going to be humming. And then Pruitt's just going to fix the defense, and then Tennessee's going to win nine games next year and beat Alabama. And, you know, you got all these stupid expectations that get put on on these coaches and players, I think. So that's that was my – I was in butch you know, protect mode right there. So I think that uh, – I honestly think that probably the center position, Brandon Kennedy, is going to be one of the most important positions that we get back and shore up because that's the captain of your offensive line calling – and he uh, makes sure adjustments are done. He calls out the Mike linebacker. He makes sure that – you know, JG just can't. I don't think JG can get people into the right protections. So it's really going to be on Brandon Kennedy to ensure that they are in the right protection for the play that's called. I think he needs to be there to help JG. You know, that's a very excellent point, PTC, that nobody, including myself, really discussed this past year. But the importance of the center helping the quarterback adjust protections. And if you think about it, when we lost Brandon Kennedy, we lost a veteran who was probably really savvy at that. And we replaced him with, I guess, who was Johnson was a redshirt sophomore, but relatively kind of a neophyte on the field at that position for the most part. And we were expecting him and JG to kind of have the same chemistry and the same type of, you know, articulation of those uh, protections to, to have it work the same way. And I don't think that's, that was actually fair on, on, on both parties there. But I think it's a really good point. The center plays an important role in adjusting protections and making sure people are going the right direction. So maybe that Brandon Kennedy injury was a lot bigger than we all suspected, especially if you have a quarterback who is being asked to basically run a semi-NFL pro-style offense and have to make these line protections, and he's not used to doing that. So, yeah. But – Lastly, the last thing I'll say about the OC, because I know I go on forever, but, <laughs> you know, the guy, like, where is the juice going to come from in this offense, to GT's point? Like, we're still, we're still going to be running with the same people, right? You're still going to have a whole bunch of big receivers on the outside who they specialize in jump balls and possession. And you got a running back in Eric Gray who you got to slowly bring up and break in. And then on the offensive line, I just I need Drew Richmond to just be better than he was this year and be better than Darnell and Wanye so that we don't have to have two freshman offensive tackles because that's never a good look. Yeah. You want to be able to bring them along and by the end of the season have them be ready to go full time. But also like what's happening with Jerome Carvin? You know, what are we gonna get out of Riley Locklear? Chrome Calvert. Uh, Chrome Calvert. 
uh, how is is Ollie Lane going to factor at all? Is he going to be a reserve lineman? Nope. Who's what's that? Um, you know, I don't know. But there's a lot that this OC is going to have to figure out. That I think people need to temper expectations. I think the schedule sets up well for a good season if things start hitting on all cylinders. Since you trade West Virginia for BYU and you trade Mississippi, Auburn, I think for it's not. I mean, I think you know, winning, is our when it went in seven to nine games, in my opinion, isn't impossible. It's not probable. It's not likely. But you know, I think if you're optimistic now in this optimistic time, that's okay. But you know, we'll see. I mean, I just don't. I think that people need to temper expectations about what this offense is going to do. You're still going to have the same quarterback at the helm, and you know, he does what he does. Better, you know, JT Shroud has had another year. Did they, in the give, any, did they give any run to uh, JT Shroud? There you go. I, I don't understand why we didn't play JT Shroud in four games last it's year. The McBride, we didn't want to burn his right. McBride uh, scholarship. I, did, I didn't I want do to understand. It doesn't work like that anymore. Yeah, though. I know. I'm just I'm being facetious. Oh, okay. I just I do not understand for the life of me the calculus behind playing Keller Crist in situations where we're clearly getting our butts whipped and we're going to lose. Like in that Alabama game. Because the problem game, is, is you were thinking calculus and they were doing geometry. Wow. It's just it's sad. It was just so sad. I feel bad for the kid. I really do. Like, I, he should have got some tread. Yep. Like in the ETSU game. Remember that ETSU? We, we were blowing them out. Like, what? <laughs> You can't play him. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah we're I agree. Like Thirty. Like, get the kid you know, out there, the let him hand the ball off at least. The only thing I can say is that they were they were probably thinking that if something happened to JG because he was getting murdered in games anyway, that they're going to need an experienced guy to come in and play, and they felt like they needed to get Chris ready in case JG went down. That's the only I, thing I can. I understand what I understand what you're saying. But playing playing him against ETSU when he's a fifth year senior is not going to make him ready to play. If 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 Garantano went down, though, that's not going to all of a sudden, you know, that's not going to help him, you know, help us later on if that had happened. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, I think though that it gives him a chance to get some game reps with players, you know, get some timing down and a game experience with guys, and you know whether or not he needed to play as much as he did, you know, I don't know, but. Uh, I, I'm just saying I could see where the coaches probably had that on their minds at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I see your I see your point, Bleed Orange. But for me, I think you know, Chris can come in those situations, run like a small package really quick that they want to work on, get the timing done, but then like yeah. two series, get JT in there, you know, like because to me, that's the biggest tragedy of having the new redshirt year rule and then not utilizing Shroud in yeah. that way. Because to me, it seems like that, that to me is a growing pain of, of Jeremy Pruitt. Like even if Helton's not putting him in, you know, even if Will Friend didn't think to put him in, like you as the head coach, you're the CEO now, you're not just the defensive coordinator. And we, I think we watched the maturation of Jeremy Pruitt over this past year. I mean, that's a topic for a different time, but that's a situation where the CEO needs to step in and say, all right, this kid needs to play. 
get some tread. Let's see how he throws this ball in a game situation with all the eyes on him in, in Neyland. And no, I, I, I understand that point. I think that's valid. You know, there, there's several things to be argued there, really, I think. But if I were JT, the way that, <laughs> the way that JG was getting murdered out there, I think I would have been pretty hard to find on the sidelines <laughs> at the end of those games. <laughs> Unless, unless you know, as a coach, unless you know Strout, unless you know down the line Strout, Strout is not going to be your guy. Then I can understand not playing him. If you know, if um, but I, I, I don't know. I I feel the same way about having the about utilizing the the four game redshirt deal. I mean, play some of those guys. It, and unless you're afraid they're going to get hurt, they're just not strong enough, you know, physical enough to, to play, um, you know, get them in there in the games that you're getting, either you're getting blown out in or, you know, you're blowing the other team out in. I mean, that's the whole point of that. Yeah. And maybe this is a good segue into recruiting, right? Because you think about what they did last year with JT Shroud, and you got Brian Marr coming in now. In 2020, if everything remains the same, we got Harrison Bailey coming in. People are talking about grad transfer. I've posted about Jalen Hurts, you know, and that possibility given the Alabama tie with Jeremy Pruitt. But I think to Powell's point, the problem with grad transfers is that they take reps from people that you need to develop down the line. And if you just get in a rental, you know, then you're not really learning to drive the car that you're going to have for the next three or four years. And so is it better acclimated with that, right? So – yeah. You know, it, it kind of brings us, you know, and thinking about recruiting, you know, how do you handle the Shrout, Mar, JG potential of a grad transfer situation next year in terms of reps? You're going to have to get Shroud on the field in some way because if it looks like Mar is leapfrogging and the kid's going to transfer, right? And, yeah. you know, and if that, that may be, you know, who knows, that may not necessarily be a terrible thing for Tennessee depending on how good the kid actually is. But right now if we – you know, he is a possibility that we could depend on him. He could be a stud for us. So then with Brian Moore, who's also an early enrollee, you know, come this spring, mm-hmm. your depth chart's looking, what, JG at one? And then Shrout is the de facto two because he's been here. And then Moore's three. And then, you know, a couple walk-ons to, to fill Jansky. out. <laughs> yep, Zach, he's there, uh, you know, to fill out the room. And so, you know, and then you got Harrison Bailey coming in you know, right behind him and he's pushing and Harrison Bailey is going to be a key center. He is the centerpiece of the 2020 class right now. He's got Arik Gil, Arik Gilbert, Arik or Arik. Mm-hmm. Anyways, he's got Gilbert down there with him at the same high school that he's going to be in his ear. And, you know, yeah. Keaton is from the same high school. Um, and he's going to be active in recruiting that 2020 class And the 2020 class, not to jump leapfrog the 2019 class, but there are some studs in state in the 2020 yes. class that this mm-hmm. staff been in on for a while. And I think the hall in 2020 could be nice. I'm thinking yes. it's going to be really, really good. But, yeah, um, yeah. but I think, you know, a lot of good stuff's down happening down in, um, down in, I guess we're in Florida, down at the Under Armour all American game, wherever they are. Um, but Darnell Wright and, and uh, Wanya Morris got drafted the same team. So that's good. Um, so those guys can get to work together on the offensive line and, Looks like we're making some headway there. So, um, what do you guys think about the current recruiting uh, situation down at the Under Armour American game? I think we're looking solid. 
Well, what the the real question is, what do we what do we think about um, uh, Jesse's post? But maybe I, I don't want to derail it. But uh, there's been a lot of backlash on on Mr. Simonton uh, on the board tonight on his covering of the All American game. Yeah, I don't know. I I haven't really heard. I well, the thing that I heard going back to what. Power T was talking about. I I really liked the comment that McCulloch made about we got a bunch of dudes coming. I think that yeah. he knows a lot more about who's coming than some of the rest of us do. <laughs> yeah, I, I think McCulloch. I think very one of my favorite recruits. Yeah, I think Pickens is one yeah. of those dudes. You think who? Could be the wide receiver. I think he is. I I don't know why, but that just sometimes you you just have a feeling about the way a recruit, like the way it's headed. It just feels like it's headed our way. I don't know why I feel that way. My track record isn't the greatest with that, but it just it. it, (laughs) I just well. I mean, I just feel like we're we're going to be in that all the way to the end. And um, I mean, I just like our chances. See. The the Hoover connection, I think, is huge. Yeah, that, that we do have a Hoover connection with him, but Gus Malzahn did coach his brother, and Chip Lindsey did coach, coach his other brother. Now, Chip's gone, obviously, and yeah. Gus and Chip, their differences. Um, I don't know. You know, looking at Pickens, I still think we're on the outside looking in on that one. Um, mm-hmm. But – I, I mean, I think we got a puncher's chance, and I think that's all that, that matters, really, uh, when it comes to recruiting the big fish here. Um, and to be honest with you, Pickens isn't the recruit, you know, based on you know what's been kind of reported on the board and looking at his tape from my layman's eyes. I mean, he's not a burner, right? So it's not like we're replacing – we're not bringing in a speed demon who's just going to automatically change the game for us. Now he is a primetime player who will need, you know, in the years to come and would contribute this year. Don't get me wrong. But in terms of adding something new to our offense, that to me is where somebody like a Jaden Hazelwood, who we're definitely not going to get, but I hope we could get. And I'm wondering if the Miami news today with Mark Richt uh, resigning, um, maybe moves Tennessee up a notch um, in that kind of horse race may not. It may, uh, I don't have any info at all, but who knows, right? Um, if, that has to change looks, things. Has I mean, to. He looks like it looks like he's going to Oklahoma, but if it was between Miami and Oklahoma, does that now move, say, like maybe a Tennessee up to number two or up to number three behind like a Georgia that he decommitted from? If Georgia looks like it may be full at the position and the reason why he decommitted are still valid there, I don't know, right? But really the big recruit that I think that the Rick News could have ripple effects with is Chris Bogle. Bogle. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I listened yeah. to the podcast this past week and I heard what Austin was saying and I just got to disagree with him because I just don't think that even if you have Crouch and they're going to play the same position that you don't take Bogle. One, I we have two off, off, off linebackers in our in our defense, our base defense. Mm-hmm. So you need two and you need depth. And I don't see how – I could see how if the numbers got tight, you wouldn't be able to necessarily take Chris Bogle as the priority, but I'm always – of the belief that you sign them and then you figure out how to get them in. Yeah. Right. Like, you, because if you, if you sign them and you have them, that means somebody else doesn't. And if you can get them in, which you probably can, that's what you do. Right. 
I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think the it, the biggest issue there is that you know there aren't really any blue shirt candidates because people have all taken OVs. Um, but I mean, and I don't know the mechanics of gray shirts very well. But is that a possibility? I don't know. Probably not. But do you work with like say a kid? Like I mean, I guess Lampley's already OB'd and he's already signed. But is there a way to do something with him? I mean, he comes from a, a decently well-off family. He's a Tennessee guy, born and bred. He's the type of guy that would, you know, if offered the opportunity, he could, I'm sure, would graciously, you know, make it where like we could add more firepower to the team. I'm not saying that's going to happen. No, no, no. Everybody take that away from what I'm talking about. I'm just saying that, you know when working out how to get as many people in recruits like Lampley are, are, are godsends because the kids all ball, he's, he's loyal to the program. And, and that's the type of kid who would make that call for his teammates. I'm not saying that's possible, but you know, I'm just saying um, mm-hmm. the numbers can work themselves out and we'll see if that happens. But I think you take a bogle and I think Rick being fired there or be, resigning rather um, could be a big deal for that kid. Darnell Wright's blue shirt. Darnell Wright's going to be the next blue shirt. He hasn't OV'd yet, right? (laughs) Right, right. Could blue shirt. That's a that's a very excellent point. That would be like the most out of nowhere thing. I thought he already blue. I thought he already officially visited and canceled a couple of UOVs. No, No, he has not officially visited. He's been saving his OV, and his OV was supposed to be the last weekend of this signing period so if tenant and that's what's the interesting thing about darnell wright is that he said you know he said his like ov schedule and obviously the rumors about him being silent are out there okay if you're not if you haven't heard it you ain't listening okay <laughs> but like you know darnell wright, heard it. <laughs> it's the sound of silence ptc but um, <laughs> Dar- Darnell Wright, he set his OV schedule, canceled the OV to UGA, you know, and it keeps changing and all this and all that. But there's this coy game that's being played with this kid, and I'm liking it because I didn't mm. see that Solomon stuff that's ha- that happened. And, I mean, I trust this staff to to come up behind you and flank you. I really do. <laughs> I really do. I, I would really love do. for him to take all of his four OVs except to Tennessee and blue shirt so we could get somebody else in the class. <laughs> that would be awesome. That it is not happen. impossible. It, it, you know, but it could, though. The, actually, when you talk about it now, it actually makes me think that it actually could happen. <laughs> It'd be the He's come up here what, three times on an unofficial visit, like, and oh. two times, like, secretly. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that would be the right? greatest coup of all time, though, I think, to, to do that. Along. Along the same lines, I see a situation similar, but the opposite, where where he doesn't take any of his visits just just because listening to Austin Price and stuff, and he he doesn't sound like a kid that cares anything about being recruited, and so I can see him not taking any official visits to anywhere just because he doesn't care, and then maybe doing something like that, you know, um, you know, blue shirt or whatever whatever that situation is for us to get another guy in here, but, um, but I don't think he's taken, but, he hasn't, he hasn't taken an OV anywhere yet, has he? No. I'm not sure. Okay. I don't think so. I don't think he has. I think he set them it, all up but if for, you're, if, do what? Yeah, I think you're right. For, 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 
for a blue shirting, do do you have to take? You can't go to this. You can't OV at the school, right? Or is it Correct. you can't Correct. OV at all? You can't OV at the can't school. Can't OV at the school. Okay. Right. So he could take all those OVs, as Bleed Orange was saying, and then not OV to us in blue shirt. <laughs> I just love yeah. that. <laughs> but, that but think about hilarious. it. Now that you bring that up, it really like, oh, you might you might have hit something here. You really might. You might have been in the river just mining for gold and just hit the jackpot. Because, because think <laughs> about it. What if you're if you're Darnell Wright, why do you need to OV to Tennessee? Oh, you have no, the capacity to get there on an unofficial. It's not going to change the visit once you get here. No. It's just how you get here. And you've been here so many times anyways. Like, is it really good? Like, is coming on February 1st or whenever he would come, January 30th, whatever, is that really going to be, you know, the time whenever you would, it's really going to make the make it, make it or break the deal for you with Darnell, right? No. No. Mm-mm. The haze in the barn with Darnell, you're not going to move the de- needle anymore at this point. Yeah, I Great. think uh, I feel good. I feel good about Darnell. The, old, the Niedermeyer, the Niedermeyer man, don't count him good out. God, I'm pay that man. And there was a threat on his girlfriend as well. W- what do we think about her being a bammer? Yeah, I saw that. Do what? So she's all about him, though. He can date whoever he wants. She's, she doesn't look very That's crazy. Right. I'll say that. Well, let's give him enough money so that he starts to look really good to her. <laughs> I missed that thread. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jason might have deleted it, but uh, there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of scrutiny going on in that thread on her. But uh, no, she—I'll just say she doesn't look crazy. So uh, she's got a good smile. She's got some good assets, right? PTC. You're dang right about that. I checked out her Facebook and everything. <laughs> So so PTC's saying, already got all, all her profiles it, downloaded. And that's when the pod so quest took a turn. Well. <laughs> you're saying he recruits well in, in, in football and in life. I guess that's what you're saying. Oh, okay. Leader Buyer, look, I love the guy to death. He's not very attractive, but <laughs> she's, she's cute, man. She's cute. I'm like, dang, I guess he's walking around like Long Dong Silver or something. That's what she said. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Uh, I've been waiting for that one to, to, to hit, but that wasn't very good. But uh, so no, let's <laughs> let's wrap this thing up. I mean, you know, we've we've hit over the hour mark here. Anything else on recruiting the uh, All American game? It's been a really good night tonight. Anything else, guys? We want to discuss before we say good evening to the group. I'll be interested to see what type of attrition we have over the next three to five months. I mean, obviously I think a, a several people are going to wait till after spring practice, but um, I do think that next year's iteration will be more talented than this year's iteration of the Tennessee balls. And for my hot take of the night, I think that people are going to be pleasantly surprised with the progress of the defensive line. And I don't think it's necessarily going to be the weakness that we've all pegged it to be even before we added Solomon and and obviously contingent on his hardship waiver, but I, I have a lot of confidence in that front, and I'm really interested to see what Jeremy Banks looks like at linebacker. Wow, sounds good to me, guys. Anything else before we say good evening? And again, nine ninety five right here of uh, all quests and 
the rest of all nation that listens in on this. This is a top two now. You guys had us from number five to number two in East Tennessee from a, a download standpoint. So thank you. Um, anything else, guys? I think next evening? week we need to, we may we ought to have a live lively discussion about uh, collegiate athletes opting to skip out of their bowl games at the end of the year. Uh, I think that's a good point. Um, that's probably something that there are some strong feelings on on both sides of the fence with that. But uh, I think that's going to be a significant, a, a growing and increasingly significant factor going forward in, in uh, the college football landscape. Well, there's two good things and we, we'll be able to talk about next week. But one is we don't have a bowl game to worry about that. And then two, we don't have good enough players to worry about that either. So uh, <laughs> that uh, <laughs> doesn't really impact Tennessee just yet. But uh, anyway, uh, Vol Nation, we love you so much. Thank you for listening. This has been the PodQuest. We hope everyone has a good night, and we'll see you soon. Go Vols.